The information provided on this podcast is intended to be educational and informational only and is not considered to be formal legal advice. The listener should not take or refrain from taking action based on its content. Any listener in need of legal opinion upon which to rely in decision-making should consider formally engaging an attorney to review relevant facts in detail and examine the pertinent law as it applies to those facts. Welcome to Real Estate Milestones, where we explore fascinating topics in commercial real estate with knowledgeable industry experts. I'm your host, Ben Malik, and I'm a young real estate professional who is passionate about adding value to people's lives through the incredible power of real estate. My goal is to help you discover what the heck is going on in the industry and how you can get involved. This is Real Estate Milestones, where your future in real estate lies just around the corner. Hello, everybody. This is Ben coming to you from New Orleans, and we have Jonathan Katani today coming from Salt Lake City. He's the founder and principal of Katani Capital Group, a real estate investment firm that specializes in helping clients build a legacy through value-add multifamily investments. I recently met him at the Intelligent Investors Real Estate Conference in LA, which you've already heard a little bit about. And uh, we bonded over the fact that we're both launching a podcast and his is IRR Real Estate Show. So be sure to check that out. Um, I'm sure it's going to have a, a lot of great content on it. So Jonathan, um, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and then also tell us about your first milestone in real estate? Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it, Ben. Great to be on. Um, yeah, it was fun connecting with you and uh, always, always fun to meet young people uh, getting into the game. A um, little about me, I'm a little bit older than you. I'm 31. Uh, really been in focused on real estate now for uh, almost two years. So um, like you said, just launched uh, Katani Capital Group, um, which is going to be uh, kind of focus on a uh, fund to fund model, um, which we can kind of get into later, but really um, focus on raising capital for commercial uh, real estate, primarily large multifamily, as you mentioned. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much been taking up most of my time now. Um, uh, launched an ebook and uh, getting ready to launch the podcast. So as you know, that uh, is very time consuming. So, uh, but it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. Um, let's see, you mentioned my first milestone. So first milestone came last year. I got to be the uh, capital partner. So essentially um, brought the capital to a deal, um, actually for a deal here in Salt Lake City. Um, called, it's a land entitlement, which is basically where you take a plot of land and work with the city to get it entitled to build uh, in this case, a uh, multifamily uh, building on it. So in this case, we're building 36 um, kind of studio apartments. Um, so land was already zoned for it. Um, it's in an area the city's trying to uh, sort of gentrify and uh, bring in, um, you know, some, it's kind of a C, C minus area, and they're starting to really want to bring in some B and uh, A class asset types. So um, that actually closes in almost a month from today. So that will be really exciting that I'll officially uh, have completed my uh, first uh, first real estate deal. Yeah, that's really awesome. Because I mean, this is something that not a lot of people might know, but like you have a plot of land and all you change about it is like behind the scenes, a legal aspect of it. And it already increases in value without even building on it or changing anything about it or change the operation. So that's like something to think about. Like 
it's not all just like building and, and developing. Like there's so many aspects and like a lot of ways to create value. It's a, you know, you might, you might not even be able to see it with your eyes. Um, yep. So yep. yeah, you're exactly right. In fact, we won't even do any of the development. We won't even put a single shovel in the ground. We uh, complete all the entitlement work and then sell it to a developer already with permits and everything ready to go, which um, the farther you go through that process, the more it costs the developer, right? So some developers, you know, may take it from us, you know, halfway through the process, but in this case, we got all the way through it. And um, so, uh, you know, it'll be a nice, uh, a nice profit um, in that sense. So. Yeah. And I mean, another key to that is that a lot of developers take on loans, like bridge loans or like some or construction loans, loans that you have to pay a higher interest rate. So things like entitlement, where you can't really predict exactly how long it's going to take to, um, you know, get these permits and get these, um, like these things that you need before you can even start building, you know, every month they're paying for their loan, even if they're not building. So by, by Jonathan and Katani capital working to, entitled land now it becomes more predictable and less risky for a developer which is somewhat of a riskier side of the real estate is developing from ground up so um definitely awesome and cool way to get into real estate create a lot of value so um let's switch to what's what, what's katani capital group doing nowadays um you mentioned the fund to fund models i think it's a very interesting aspect of real estate so can you talk, tell us a little bit a little bit about that and then how you're applying it in in your business yeah absolutely so uh, the fund to fund model, uh, pretty basic model, actually, um, without getting too into the weeds, essentially what it allows you to do is um, set up a fund, right? And that fund is a separate LLC, which then um, invests in a particular deal. Uh, now, there are certain ways to go about it. You can kind of open up a fund and as money comes in from uh, investors, you know, you place that capital in multiple deals. So they call that a multiple asset fund. Uh, in my case, it'll be single asset fund. So essentially you identify an operator. So that's the first step, right? Um, we have a very um, in-depth uh, vetting process for operators. So we like to find operators uh, who are well-established uh, in a certain market. Um, from there, then we verify their portfolio, how much they have under management, you know, how long um, they've managed those assets, uh, you know, the quality of those assets. Uh, we may even go all the way as to verify, uh, you know, and speak with some of the uh, property managers of those assets. Um, and then essentially, once we've done that, then we'll open up a fund and do a webinar with uh, with our investors and that fund will then open and we'll bring in uh, capital from our investors and then Katani Capital Group will be a limited partner in the deal. So essentially how it works is I'm the general partner of Katani Capital Group and then everyone else is a limited partner and then as a whole Katani Capital Group is a limited partner in the in the deal. Let's say you know it's 150 units in Columbus, Ohio, you know, we raise a million dollars, bring that to the deal, and then um, we're considered a limited partner. And then within that is all of our investors. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I mean, just to clarify, 
general partner is like the person who's on the ground doing the real estate, um, you know, closing the deal and doing those things. And the limited partner is the, the capital side, the one who brings the investment, investment money that even allows the deal to be possible. So, um, I mean, it's really, it seems like it's very valuable, valuable for, uh, for your clients to, you know, you're, you're the one who's vetting the sponsor and making sure it's a, a good operator. Cause that takes a lot of work. You know, you have to make sure this is person is on your side and that is, you know, here for the long run and, and is, you know, a trustworthy person. So, um, I mean, that's, that's awesome. I know you like to, you have this theme or this value of building a legacy and, um, it seems very powerful, but I want to know what, what legacy means to you and then, and then how you, um, you know, try to provide this, this ideal for your clients. For sure. Yeah. So really the idea for the, the build your own legacy came, um, let's see, it's 2022. So my, uh, grandfather passed away in April of 2020 and, he built a, uh, a large construction business that's uh, based here in Salt Lake. Um, you know, obviously we couldn't have a big funeral because of COVID and all that, but, you know, there were a ton of letters, ton of phone calls, ton of tons of people reaching out that he had touched. And it made me realize that, you know, he left behind something, you know, obviously the business and, you know, something that can continue. And I have family members that, that continue to work for the business, but, more than that, he, he left behind, you know, um, values and things that people learned from him, work ethic. Um, you know, he was always so giving. If he saw someone in help uh, that needed help, he was the first one to go help them however he could. And so that really got it sparked in my mind. Well, I want to build something too. Um, now, of course, I want Katana Capital Group to, you know, be as big as it can, but really what I'm aiming for is to eventually be able to give back to the things that I, I care about. Um, biggest one being uh, men's mental health. So uh, I'm a huge advocate for mental health, um, you know, for anyone, but especially amongst men as I am a man and seems to be uh, a little bit lost in society right now, unfortunately. Um, getting better, of course, but so as what it allowed me to do is uh, eventually, you know, give back and uh, ideally start my own profit and leave behind a legacy. So at Katani Capital Group, what we want to do is we want to show you how real estate can help you build your own legacy, however you want to do it, you know, creating passive income and, uh, you know, creating a wealth that you can actually pass down uh, to generations. So... Yeah, that's kind of a powerful. long answer to a short question, but that's no, that's the whole nuts and bolts of it there. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. That's powerful, and um, definitely, you know, it's awesome that you know you, your legacy. You have this legacy tied like tied to your eventual nonprofit, but your legacy can also be helping people build this legacy and and adding value to your clients in that way. So, um, powerful, powerful message all around. Um, I mean, if you want, like. Could you get, in a, get into a little bit more what you, um, you know, why you're passionate about your, uh, about men's mental health? Because, I mean, I know it's obviously uh, something that's talked about in society where maybe, you know, acknowledging mental illness in, in men is harder because there's these preconceived, um, you know, I guess, stereotypes that like men can't have emotions. Like you got to be, you got to, can't be vulnerable. You got to, you can't cry. But um, I mean, obviously everyone's human, everyone has emotions. So it means it's, it's a noble, noble cause, but I want to hear maybe a little bit more personally, how, 
how, um, you know, why it's important to you. Yeah, absolutely. So biggest thing was, gosh, probably right when I turned 26. So was that five years ago, I kind of reevaluated my life and realized I wasn't where I wanted to be and wasn't on the path that I wanted to be on. And I wasn't really sure um, why, right? I thought I was doing everything I was supposed to, um, had a job, had all those things, and was really trying to figure out what was going on. So I actually started going to therapy and through therapy realized that I, you know, have severe anxiety um, as a lot of people do, especially in, in my generation. I know your generation is as well. And it's not, I don't want, I, I, I hate the stipulation that it's like taboo to talk about, you know, and it's getting better, as you mentioned, um, for men and women, right? Um, and starting to be more recognized as an actual mental health um, issue, um, right along with depression as well. And so a big thing for me was, you know, learning how to cope with that anxiety and recognize it when, um, you know, like some mornings, it's very difficult for me to get out of bed. Other mornings, I jump right out of bed, you know. Um, sometimes I love going out into a group and talking with my friends and other times I'm completely terrified. You know, so it was just learning how to manage those situations and manage it. And, you know, I really want um, people to understand that it's okay, you know, to not be able to get out of bed on time sometimes, or it's okay to cancel plans because you don't feel comfortable going into a group of people. And so I'm a big proponent of that. And I really want people to, you know, feel safe and okay and have a safe space to to talk about those things and so i'm a huge huge proponent of therapy i mean in some form or fashion i think everybody should um look into it you know um and so that's really where where it comes from so eventually i'd really love to have a nonprofit that really leads people and helps people you know get the help that they need whatever that looks like you know what I mean? For everybody, it's a little bit different. Um, for me, I'm still in therapy. I uh, had therapy yesterday, actually. So uh, it's huge. And it's one of my favorite hours of the week. So those are really the things um, that have helped me a lot. And I want to give that back to people. And, you know, certainly money is very nice. And I think for me, money equals freedom. And once you have that freedom, then you have the freedom to choose what you do. And that's kind of, uh, kind of the process there for that. Yeah. That, thanks for sharing. That's really powerful. And it really shows how far we've come, you know, like, I feel like not even too long ago, like you, you couldn't even say these things on, on a podcast that's going out. Oh, to the for public. sure. Yeah. And, and honestly, there'll probably be people who disagree, right? Like, oh man up or, you know, like I'll, I'll be the first to tell you I cry. <laughs> so yeah. you know that's that's funny that you should say because when, when you were saying this i was thinking like you know maybe like 50 years ago like depression was you know sadness like man up or anxiety was like fear man up but like i feel like if you named your prof nonprofit man up and like took that that or just an idea but like you took that i guess you know kind of harmful like you know not helpful 
phrase and like owned it and say like manning up is learning to manage and learning to be vulnerable and learning to, you know, acknowledge your um, mental illness. Like that's what manning up really, really is. That's huge. Actually. That's a big idea. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I actually love that a lot. Yes. Um, And you're a hundred percent right. And it is uh, fascinating how um, I was actually talking about this uh, a couple of days ago, how being vulnerable and admitting you don't know something or admitting you're not feeling your best actually end up, end up, ends up benefiting you more than trying to, you know, like power through or man up and not show any emotion. You know, I, I think that people um, resonate with you more when you, you know, can open up to them for sure. Yeah. I mean, this is this industry and I mean, life in general is all about trust. And like, you know, are you going to trust me if I'm a college student who pretends that I know everything or is going to be more trusting? Like, you know, I don't know everything, but I have a podcast where I'm learning about all these things and I'm super passionate, interested. And, you know, like I'm going to get there one day where I'm, I am a complete expert, but it's, this is like, you know, this is much more and, you know, like being vulnerable instead of just like, you know, pretending that everything's okay. It's like, you know, who you're going to trust more the person who's clearly putting on a show or the one who's being themselves. And, you know, absolutely. You're exactly right. Yeah, that's great. So, I mean, we got a lot of good stuff there. We might've just created the next, um, <laughs> you know, huge, huge, like nonprofit. I'd have to have good. you on the board. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, I'd love if, to. If that's the name you came up with, it may have to have you on for sure. Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I agree with the, the sentiments and it's um, definitely a powerful message. So, uh, would be a pleasure guys you're witnessing history here <laughs> <laughs> so great well um going forward so what are your goals for your your business uh, for for um ccg and you know how are you going to take your business to the next level absolutely um the biggest uh goal this year uh outside of the podcast is um just going to be my first uh, official raise um first capital raise under the katarna capital group name Um, So aiming to raise a million dollars this year, um, identifying uh, some deals. Uh, One uh, asset class, you know, obviously kind of the the big one is is multifamily. I think there's a lot of really compelling things in the multifamily space still continuing forward. Uh, I know there's some markets that are crazy right now and finding deals is very difficult, but uh, there's a reason for that, right? where are people going? I think COVID really opened up people's eyes to the fact that, you know, with remote work, they can really live wherever, you know, um, Utah was definitely one of the States that relaxed some of its, uh, guidelines a little sooner than the others. And so we had, you know, I played golf in, I think June of 2020. So still in the pandemic, uh, with, some guys who worked on Wall Street, but because Wall Street was closed, they couldn't go to the office. They were living in Utah, you know, and they were going to stay and and stay through the ski season. And and what that's led to now is, you know, the real estate market in Utah is blowing up, um, especially around Salt Lake City. And you have a lot of that, you know, you've got kind of some tertiary markets like Bozeman, Montana, I think is a compelling place. You know, people are realizing they can really live wherever they want and they're choosing what matters most, whether that be their hobbies, right? The outdoors, 
um, like here or Bozeman <clears throat> are big plates for the outdoors. Do you love the warmth? Phoenix is exploding right now because, you know, it's warm all year round. Orlando's a big place. So what you're starting to see is you're starting to see these places where, you know, it offers people more than just a place to live. It gives them, you know, the lifestyle they truly want. And that's very compelling. And of course, people always need a place to live. Um, the market is very undersupplied. And so I think um, there's a lot of really compelling things with, with multifamily. And then, you know, that leads to other things like uh, they're going to need storage. So self-storage, right? Where, where in these areas is, is there an undersupply of self-storage units? You know, that's very compelling as well. Um, so the biggest thing that we're going to be doing is identifying those trends and, um, like I said, uh, the big goal is to, you know, I, I 10 X'd it right, right at the beginning of the year. I read Grant Cardone's 10 X. So if I'm being fully transparent, my goal is to raise uh, $10 million. Um, but, uh, you know, again, that's just, uh, that's just me taking that to the 10 X level. And, and listen, if you can raise, you know, a million dollars, you can raise $10 million. So, um, but our, our big thing is going to be, um, getting our first first deal under the Katani Capital Group name uh, done this year, um, like in the calendar year. So great. That's a great uh, way to, you know, identify your next milestone and, you know, say when it's going to happen and what's going to be. And so that's that's very powerful. And like, that's that's how you do it. You work backwards from your goal. So I, I, I like that a lot. Um, so I'm, I, I was also wondering, like, do you raise capital before finding an operator or do you find a deal and then raise capital for that deal? Could you kind of go into a little bit more of the, the process of your, your business? Totally. Yeah. I mean, so there's an old adage, you know, you're always raising capital, right? I'm always looking for investors, talking to investors, um, you know, have some email campaigns and things to kind of keep my name in front of them uh, all the time. But uh, typically what we'll do is we'll identify a deal um, and then usually I will do my own webinar, uh, for the investors. And then, well, what I'll do is I'll do my own webinar for the investors, have the operators on the webinar, uh, with me and lead that webinar with my investors. And then, um, the fund will be open at that point and we'll accept the money and, uh, because it's not an evergreen fund, meaning it's not staying open, they'll basically be, hey, the deal closes in a month. So we have two weeks to raise the capital. Whatever we raise in two weeks is what we take to the deal. This is our goal, that kind of a thing. Yeah, that's really interesting. And, you know, I was always thinking, like, if I wanted to raise capital and be a limited partner in a syndication, um, you know, with a group of people, like me not being an accredited investor, and it might be only for accredited investors, like, is that, could that be an issue or is it, you know, like, is there, is the fact that you have a different business, like, you know, change the qualifications for being a limited partner or, you know, is there, is there any details that we should know on that side? Yeah. Great question. So it really depends how the deal is structured. Um, so you have a 506B and you have 506C. Uh, each one gives you a little bit different. Uh, most, most operators, especially well-established operators, typically do 
like to set it up as a 506C, which does mean you have to be an accredited investor in order to invest in the deal. And it's actually up to you to prove you're an accredited investor. Uh, not that hard to do. Basically, you just get a letter from your lawyer or CPA uh, certifying that you're accredited. Uh, however, if the deal is structured as a 506B, you do have room for up to 35 non-accredited investors. Um, so it, it really just depends how the deal is structured. And then the fund will just uh, follow that structure. So if it's a 506B, then the the fund will be set up as a 506B, which means I can then bring in non-accredited investors, which means we could then invest in the in the 506B deal. And uh, there are 506B operators out there, um, well-established ones, right? Uh, typically going, uh, at least the ones that I know are uh, usually a little younger, haven't been doing it as long. Uh, not to say they're not as, qualified as an operator, as someone who's been doing it twice as long by any means. Uh, it just means that their network is not big enough of all uncredited investors. So in order for them to be able to raise the money, they set it up as a 506B. Yeah. And that's, that's really powerful because I mean, part of what I want to do is provide opportunities to the real estate, which is what I think is the, the best asset class and the best place to grow. Um, wealth and you know i guess lead lead your lead or you know create your legacy as um katani capital groups doing um so i mean i'd want to do a 506 b because i want to make sure my friends and family people who are i mean my i guess the younger people people who i'm close to in age who maybe haven't had the amount of time to become an accredited investor uh or still have the opportunity to um you know have the incredible advantages of this asset class i guess just to clarify to be an to be an accredited investor, you have to have, as an individual, have $200,000 of income per year for two years or have over a million dollars in assets outside of your primary residence. And as a married couple, it's $300,000 a year and or for the last two years. If, I, think that's, I think that's correct. And also, by no means am I a, um, should I be, I'm not a CPA, so um, this is just, <laughs> don't, don't, don't uh, quote me. No, no, you're exactly right. It's it's basically uh, and or right. So you can either have one or the other. So if you're an individual, two hundred thousand in uh, gross. Easiest way to put it is gross W two income, right? Uh, but it, it's basically income for the last two years, and or a million dollar uh, net worth outside of your your main residence, just like you said. So you can have one or the other or both. Um, Essentially, the way the IRS sees it is that if you've gotten to that point in your life, then, you know, you're considered a little bit more savvy and sophisticated investor and therefore um, understand the risks uh, of investments a little bit more than than um, say just, you know, the average retail investor, for instance. So definitely. I think it also means that you won't go hungry if you lose this money. Yes. And that is too. also another proponent of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I guess the last qualification is if you have like a, um, like a brokerage security brokerage license that you automatically count. I think uh, I saw that it was a, a recent modification to the standards. Okay. So yeah, it's like, they think you, you should know the risks at that point if you pass this rigorous exam and spent many years studying, but so yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would hope so at that <laughs> point. 
I got my financial licenses. I was a stockbroker for a while. So there was a very large proponent of um, the series uh, 63, especially I did the seven and 63, but the series 63 is very much related to the fiduciary duty that you have when talking to uh, other investors, which, you know, makes you understand the risks as well along the way. So, yeah, that's awesome. That's, that's cool that you have that because definitely helps open up a lot of possibilities and also like, you know, do what's best for the investors knowing the risks. Um, so that's pretty, that's pretty cool. Um, so yeah. Uh, so are you ready to jump into the lightning round? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. So what superpower would you want if you could choose any? Great question. Probably flying. I would love to be able to fly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a common one in, in real estate because uh, you got to check out those the roofs. Yes. Right. For sure. <laughs> that would be cool. amazing. And saving a ton of money on, on airline tickets. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. And um, yeah, time. Save you time too. Mm-hmm. So um, what's your favorite book or what's the one that helped you the most in, in your in your journey so far? Oh, that's a great question. Um, God, I got a few. Uh, 10X by Grant Cardone is a huge one. And then I'm actually reading one right now um, called Influence is Your Superpower. Um, it is by a woman who is a professor at Yale. Her name is uh, Zoe Chance. And it's really just... Um, sort of kind of a little bit more modern version of how to win friends and influence people Um, and just understanding sort of how to frame things so that people will be more curious about what you have to say. So that's, that's awesome. Cause I mean, how to win friends and influence people is like a, you know, industry standard (laughs) and absolutely. Yeah. I got to check that out. I haven't heard of it yet. So thanks for, thanks for sharing. Um, so what motivates you to continue every day? Ooh, great question. Um, I was actually having this conversation with someone too. The biggest one is, uh, you know, there's a certain lifestyle that I enjoy living. And so certainly, um, some of my fire comes from my, uh, financial goals. Um, and then another big one is, you know, kind of going full circle back to the nonprofit to eventually be able to give back. Um, right now, part of my mentor groups and all of the different networking groups I'm a part of is I'm sort of in the take phase where, you know, people are helping me maybe a little bit more than I'm helping them. And I'm really looking forward to getting to the point where I can swip the, swap that and start giving back. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And I know a lot, a lot of real estate entrepreneurs are motivated by helping others. So, um, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm right there with you and uh, I hope. I hope to help people with the podcast and add value in that way. Um, that's that's the that's my goal for how I can make an impact with with my current situation. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, lastly, what advice would you give to someone who wants to follow in your footsteps? I would say start. I know that's so cliche, and it's you know I heard that so often uh, while I just kind of drag my feet about starting. Just start. You know, um, you'd be amazed how many people in your network are may actually be interested in investing in real estate. You know, you may actually be able to go out and raise $100,000 and go buy five units or four units somewhere. You know what I mean? Just start, start going to networking groups, meet people, 
that's that's really the the best advice I can give. And and one thing I love seeing uh, is a lot more a lot younger people getting started early. You know, you're a great example. Um, uh, you know, there's uh, a few people that were at the conference that are in their early 20s, and they're leaps and bounds ahead of me already. So just start. That's all you have to do. Yeah, time is on your side. So the earlier you start, you know, longer you'll get yep. this amazing compound. Yep. And, and 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 with that, don't be afraid to get a mentor. You know, ask someone for help who who's doing what you want to do, and uh, they'll tell you the same thing. You got to get started, but they'll help you kind of mitigate some of those mistakes. So hopefully, you don't make quite as many. You know, mm-hmm. definitely, yeah. Learn from someone else's failure. <laughs> yep. you know? and don't be afraid to fail. You make a mistake learn from it, move on. Yeah. I think that's one of the best parts about taking action because you get the the best, the best learning. Absolutely. Great. So lastly, since I put you on the spot, I want to give you a chance for revenge. So ask me anything you'd want to know about me. Oh man. All right. Uh, that's, that's still putting me on the spot. Yeah. I realized that after, after I started doing <laughs> no, no, that. No, no, no. It's great. It's great. I love <laughs> yeah. it. I love it. Um, cool. So, uh, what are you studying at Tulane? Um, finance management and philosophy. Okay. And so is real estate, the, the niche you want to get into the sector you want to get into, or what's your, what's your goal? Yeah, I'm all in on real estate. Um, everything I do is to learn real estate and put myself in positions to network and learn from others and, um, you know, just become an expert over time. And, um, so yeah, I mean, finance helps with the modeling. Like I'm pretty proficient and, you know, good at crunching the numbers which is obviously very valuable to make sure you mitigate risks well in, in the industry. But I think that finance and philosophy have a underappreciated synergy because when you're making a, a, a model in Excel, I mean, like the model is only as good as your assumptions. So, I mean, understanding what you don't know and learn, figuring out how to like, like, you know, yeah, how, how to figure out what you don't know and like position the logic for like, you know, this model actually makes sense. And like, here's where it could go wrong. And like these kind of things that influence logical reasoning also influence the quality of a model. So I think that like having philosophy as a background has is tremendously helpful in terms of being effective in, in the finance side of things. Totally. And fundamental investing is a real thing. I mean, people will choose, you know, for instance, stock market, um, people will choose their stocks. In fact, you can even invest in ETF and mutual funds that are based on a fundamental that you believe in. Like uh, there's mutual funds for publicly owned companies that have, you know, female leadership, you know, so uh, that's huge. I completely, completely agree there uh, for sure. That That's really awesome. Yeah, I definitely think that a great investment strategy is whatever helps you sleep at night. And uh, so, you know, knowing that it's doing something good and even if you lost your money, like it went to something good. Like I would feel terrible if I invested in like an oil company and I lost my money because I have nothing at the end of the day. But if I invest in Tesla and I know I'm, you know, I'm in a company that is creating value for the world and has noble ambitions and align with my values, like, you know, I have something at the end of the day knowing that it was spent on something that is important to me. And so, absolutely, um, and yeah, I mean, eventually I want to be in real estate for, for that, <laughs> you know, cause it's going to help me sleep at night knowing that, you know, there's a lot more predictability and there's cash flow coming into my pocket, regardless of, you know, if the market's going up and down or sideways. So, um, so yeah, I mean, definitely a value to having at least that aspect into your investment uh, mindset. Sweet. I love it.
Cool. Well, this is a great interview, Jonathan. We might have just uh, had a, a, a world changing epiphany here. So that's pretty awesome. But how could people learn more about you and like where can they find your book and your podcast and um, all that cool stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, just uh, launched an ebook called uh, Is Commercial Real Estate Recession Proof? Um, you know, I think uh, a decline uh, is is on the horizon. I know everyone always says that, but I think people are are a little bit more feel, fearful of it. There's a few more indicators kind of pointing that direction. Um, so really compelling stuff in there about how commercial real estate um, is typically the sector that weathers the storm the best. As you mentioned, cash flow um, got some great data points that point to rent still continuing to increase. Um, if nothing else, at least just stay at a certain point. Um, so you can find that by going to investwithgatani.com. Um, that's available there. You can download the ebook. And then uh, the next thing is you can find me on Instagram and LinkedIn. Uh, Instagram is at Johnny Katani. And that's another place I'm uh, very active as well. Awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely check out that book. That's like, I love reading about stuff like that. And so um, I'm sure it's gonna have a lot of value. I love it. And so yeah, everyone, if you enjoyed this episode, and you learned a lot, please leave us a like, um, and subscribe and and leave a, a rating and review definitely helps get this powerful message out to a greater audience and, um, you know, help people learn the amazing, amazing world of real estate. So um, I hope everyone has tremendous success in reaching their next milestone. Um, you as well, Jonathan. And uh, thanks for thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Ben. You're the man. It was a great time. Have a good one. All right. Thanks, everybody.